Hey, Sandra. Hey, Sam. How's it going? <laughs> I, I think it's it's going good, I think. Uh, I feel like... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm trying to, like, pack my life together and have it ready for, I guess, a major life transition in less than a month so you know I'm just working it out I'm interviewing I'm just wrapping up my loose ends up here basically and it's so sad because I feel like we just met some dope ass people from the bay and it's not like I didn't meet any dope people before but I just met some more and I'm kind of like man like really okay yeah I guess I'll leave now I guess (laughs) <laughs> but I think that gives you more reason to go back, if anything. That's At a very point, true. Avi. I know you're really excited to move, but you can go back. I mean, yeah, I guess I will. <laughs> I mean, I was always going to go back regardless of <laughs> like, Mirtha and other friends that I've made up here. But for sure, now I have like more people that I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to get into this shit. Like, you know, so shout out to the yeah. Bay. But shout out to me going to LA and getting my like LA vibes ready, getting all my shit together. Hopefully, fingers crossed, everything is like okay. I got a yeah. job and maybe a place or at least a lead on a place because I'm not trying to stay at my mom's <laughs> as much as I love my mom. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to stay there. So I got to have yeah. my own space. So that's like my shit and giggle is that like. I have a, a second round interview that I'm really excited for for a place that I could hopefully work at, <laughs> and yeah. But yeah, the thing the, is just like I gotta do all this shit. It's hard. What about you? So I've been feeling pretty good because I came back from the Bay, and so it was like a nice like step away from LA, and then to come back, it was just like, all right, this is familiar, you know, like you know what the fuck you're doing, and like getting shit done. The my shit is that i think i'm getting sick like i feel it coming and i'm like uh just because like i i don't like being sick it's not my thing at all i feel just exhausted all the time and it's just it's not cute and it's not ideal and i don't want that at all the 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 good thing is that i tend to sound better when i sound sick according to people That's what everyone tells so, me. That so I have we a, a should record. Voice. We should record. <laughs> when wow. I mean, there's some recordings of me. I feel like my voice is kind of already like ninety percent, but yours. I really wonder <laughs> how it'll sound when it's sick. Yeah. People say but, you have a good voice already. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, so that's my shit and giggle. Um, life's just kind of happening right now, but I'm trying to make changes where I can. And I feel like Leo season has definitely helped with that. Like, I feel like a sense of, like, productivity. (laughs) A sense of selfishness? Yeah, it's like, you know, this is my life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I hope so. Yeah. And um, Virgo is coming soon. So it's like, that's the moment where you, like, solidify shit that you built up. Like, your aspirations that you built up in Leo are solidified in Virgo. So, yeah. We'll see. Well, I I think I'll be coming back in Virgo season, so I guess that matches with my timelines. Yeah. You know, 
I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I see a logic to it, I guess. Yeah. So today we have a very, very special episode. Yeah. Yeah, no, we do. And this is something that I had kind of been in my mind for a little while, but I was also kind of like, logistically, how the fuck are we going to do this? Uh, mm-hmm. Sound and just like even getting everyone in one space. But I'm really excited that... I was able to pull it off, uh, considering with like the people that I've met here in the Bay and just friends and things I've seen on social media. I was happy to host this and Sam for the weekend that he mm-hmm. was in the Bay at my spot. And we had this really cute event. Can you describe the event, please, Sam? Yeah. So this event had kind of been in the planning for a while or like a version of this event. So Sanja's been wanting me to go up to the Bay for a while because there's hella dope people out in the Bay Area that we wanted to interview and showcase for the podcast, mostly because they do really dope work. And so when we finally went up, or well, when I finally went up, um, we invited a bunch of local artists who either grew up in the Bay Area or moved to the Bay Area but are currently living there. And they're all artists or curators for art. And they all do different mediums. So we have folks who draw comics and zines and folks who like curate like magazines and collectives and writers who are creating writing groups. And so it was like a group of really dope people who are all from the Bay Area. And so they all met and like sat around Sanja's dining room table and it was a really like cozy environment that's my nice my way dining room it. table <laughs> my coffee table oh your coffee table sorry our desk and like other things <laughs> but um it was a really dope space like folks were really resonating with each other there are folks who knew each other or who had wanted to meet each other also so this was a space for like artists to meet each other you know exchange works share their work with each other and just like really create a space for these artists and their work to you know be at the forefront yeah so i called this event central american art as resistance and it's a round table discussion so we originally had like a couple of questions for ourselves but mm-hmm. we gave them priority of like y'all had your own questions for each other Go for it. Write it down here and we'll MC and we'll ask these questions. And that's, I feel like, what we did. And it may have gone on in a few tangents, but I think that the discussion was really dope. And I feel like everyone left that little get-together at my pad feeling very satisfied and happy with, like, what they all said and what they heard. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like, dope. In this kind of episode, we you're going to notice that, like, we're in the back because we just wanted to let these folks talk with each other and get to know each other and let y'all know a bit about what they do. Yeah. So just a shout out. I mean, everyone's going to introduce themselves, but I also just want to give, like, the thanks to them right now in this voice, in this episode. And I want to thank Plinio, Gabriela, Marabet. Janine and Brina for just being super down, for being here, for just fucking shit up, being super cute Bay Area booze, and Mm -hmm. just doing their own thing, also just being very invested in the Central American community in the Bay Area and in general, and just shout out 
at like to everything that they do and shout out to the bay as always yeah. uh and just i want to give this little thank you to them for just being so amazing and so down to just like be here so thank you thank you thank you for dealing with like my little house and just dealing with sitting on the floor <laughs> for everything for everything so thank you yeah thank you all so much hope y'all enjoy this episode let's get into it hey everyone we have multiple people here today for our central american art as resistance roundtable discussion so this is an episode that i really wanted to do with sam uh, and he is visiting me currently in the Bay Area in Oakland, where I currently live. And I just wanted to gather people who are Central American that do art, Central Americans from different places, mediums as well of art, and just places within the Bay Area or outside of the Bay Area. And yeah, I just wanted to do this as a way to like foster connections with them, but also for them to grow their own networks and like have a discussion place for Central American art. And yeah, do you have anything else to add? Sam? Yeah. Um, well, most of these folks I met through an email. <laughs> <laughs> so when they dropped their handles, it was like, all right, cool, let me like find out everything they're about. <laughs> As I'm sure y'all did too. <laughs> and I think it's really dope just because it's like, all right, well, I've seen what y'all do. Now let me meet the person behind it and actually get to know this person on a different level that I wouldn't have gotten on Instagram or through a tweet or a DM, you know, like any other conversation we could have had would not have been as fruitful or as i don't know invigorating so i'm really thankful for y'all for being here so thank you all so much for being here and we can go ahead and start doing introductions yes cool so hi thank you for having me i didn't say that last time um my name is gabriela and i go by she her um, social Smug Morenita so you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook all those great things um, I'm from San Francisco's Mission District I'm a Sagittarius and I'm a writer and a visual artist focusing on illustration at the moment Yes, awesome, <laughs> thank you uh, my name is Brina Nunez pronouns are she, her, they, them and y'all can find me on Instagram at Brinache which is B-R-E-E N-A-C-H-E. I'm from San Bruno, South San Francisco. And my sign is Aries. And the art that I make um, are comics, uh, zines, and um, not currently at the moment, um, music. And um, yeah, I'm like an alto sax player. And I'm going to pass the baton to you. (laughs) Hey, everyone. My name is Maravet Morales, and I go by she or her. And um, I'm on social media as Maravet510, um, and it, um, it's spelled M-A-R-A-B as in blue, E-T, and 510 um, for Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I rep East Oakland, and I'm a Capricorn, and I am a writer, um, but not a visual artist, unfortunately. So that's all. I'm going to give my whole name. Plinio Alberto Hernandez Alvarado. So uh, my name is Plinio Alberto Hernandez Alvarado and uh, my pronouns are him, he. Um, I'm from San Salvador and was raised in Berkeley. 
um, but also consider Guadalajara my third home and uh, my social media handle on Twitter and Instagram is at Plinth, so it's P-L-I-N-T-H underscore underscore. And uh, sign, right? Sign is Taurus. Uh, I'm bad at my signs, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but art, um, I'm a project-based artist and educator. Um, and that's it. Um, I'm Janine Ventura. Um, my pronouns are she, her. Uh, my social media, you can follow me at Janinertron or at Undertone Mag, Undertone Collective. Um, I'm not from the Bay Area. I'm from Southern California, the Inland Empire. And um, my sign, I'm a cusp. I'm a Sagittarius Capricorn. And um, as far as art, I curate mostly. I, I'm part of a collective called Undertone Collective. It's a um, collective that tries to create a network and a community among women of color. Um, multimedia, multidisciplinary collective. We produce zines, podcasts, host events, and we just really want to put on women of color, femmes of color, uh, gender nonconforming folks, and uh, create art with them and, and, and uh, empower them and stuff. So that's what I do. Cool. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was saying cool because Janine is really cool, Sandra. Like, I was just going to jump into the question. Nah. Sorry. My name is Sam. Um, pronouns are he, him, his. Social media is at sambam0728. I'm making the NSA's job super easy so you can find me everywhere on that. <laughs> That's my birthday, too. So it's super, in, like, I don't know what's the word, like, invasive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm from Koreatown in Los Angeles, as y'all know, if you listen. And uh, <laughs> my sign is I'm a triple Leo. And what kind of art do I create? I create the audio art. <laughs> That's it. Art. <laughs> the art. Exclusively. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, my name is Sandra. I am fucking. I'm a she, her, hers. Uh, my social, I keep it low key. That's my social. <laughs> if you know me, you know me. That's it. Um, my hood is Huntington Park, Southeast LA. Uh, but I'm currently living in Oakland and I've been in the Bay Area, particularly the East Bay. Because fuck San Francisco. Sorry. <laughs> I love the East Bay a little more than San Francisco for various reasons. Um, and yeah, I live in Oakland and I've been here for about a year and a half and it's been chill and it's welcomed me very well, but I'm also leaving it. So, but whatever, who cares? I still love Oakland <laughs> and the Bay Area in general. So, um, what was it? My art? I write a little bit for myself. I do this podcast for myself. Uh, I don't know if I would consider the pod art. Some would. Some would <laughs> take the theory and say that it is art. But uh, I just do what I want to do for myself. I might take a little pick here and there. <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> I might self-curate a little bit. También. But just everything's for myself. I don't really say... I don't want to call myself an artist. Is like I would be insulting the craft of others. So, no. Cool. <laughs> now I'm moving on, Sam. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, since this is like we invited Central American folks, 
um, we want to ask y'all where y'all are from. And like, I don't know, I guess like your, your national, well, your ethnicity because your nationality is different. So yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I get those two confused. But yeah, your ethnicity and just so like we can do a quick round table of that. Start Gabby. So this is Gabby again. Um, I'm Nicaraguan Salvadorian. Brina, uh, Salvi, Guatemalan, Afro, Latinx. Hey, it's Marvet, and um, I'm Guatemalan from both parents. Hey, uh, Plinio, and uh, was born in El Salvador, but you know, I have uh, US citizenship and Mexican citizenship and also Salvadorian, so I kind of think of Cosmopolitan, it. Cosmopolitano, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Creído>. <laughs> um, I'm Janine, I'm Salvadoran, Nicaraguan, Mexican. I'm Sam, I'm Salvadorian. I'm Sandra, I'm Salvadoran and Mexican. Yay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, so now we're going to go into um, what got y'all into your specific medium of art. So y'all do different work, and how y'all got to that, or to where you are right now, was a different process for each one of you, and so I kind of wanted y'all to go into it a little bit if you can. Share as much as you feel comfortable with. Um, I understand that art can be a very personal thing sometimes, so share as much as you're comfortable with and yeah if we could just go ahead and do a round table again just so that but we're gonna go the other way so i'm not putting all this pressure on gabby <laughs> sorry janine <laughs> <laughs> so it's janine again um as far as undertone collective that was just really born out of frustration um it was a, a few friends that mutual friends that kind of got together and realized we weren't necessarily creating in our personal lives we all had full-time jobs that were not related in creative fields um all women of color and we just got together and we're like how do we create a, a space that is accessible and that um feels very welcoming and embracing um because you know not only in the bay area but arts in general it's a very like it's a club a little bit. There is a scene to it. There is a look to it. And unless you fit those or unless you have the credentials, a formal art school, et cetera, whatever it may be, it may not be as open and welcoming. So we wanted to kind of break that down a little bit and have it be a space that people could access and feel comfortable coming up to us and talking to us, whether it's at zine fests or at events we host. So that's what it was born from. The collective is more of like a network and community that is really open-ended for femmes and women of color to come to us uh, and bring their work, whether they're unpublished folks, uh, inexperienced air quotes. Um, yeah, that's what it was born from. It was born from frustration and alienation a little bit and loneliness and just feeling like we wanted to create like an, a, a space where we could learn together and feel vulnerable and feel fine with like saying we don't have all the skills to create what we want to create, but we can cultivate that with each other. Um, yeah. So that's where it came from. Nice. So, uh, it's plenty again. And, uh, uh, I think most of my art comes from two places. It comes from the love of pedagogy and also just my personal narrative of migration. Um, and really that's just kind of like the impetus of my art whether I'm you know it's either I'm doing one or the other I'm either teaching or uh, creating art and I think in the last few years I think I'm been doing more than anything teaching uh, I consider that my practice my art practice and I'm very comfortable thinking of being able to switch in a performative sense also between teaching art and making art. 
and that's uh, really important I think in general in my art practice so I'm teaching high school and and creating uh, a lot of social activism projects in my classes and so that's been really rewarding for me uh, currently I just came back also from Guadalajara Mexico creating some political banners I would call them uh, with mostly Central American immigrants at a center, a humanitarian aid center that uh, gives mostly humanitarian aid to uh, Central American migrants. And yeah, so I mean, you know, and personally, my art practice is varies, you know, I've had and ran a gallery and collective um, from 2008 to 2012, where we had tons of exhibits um, you know I think it was 50 at the end of those um, where we had people like Emery Douglas who's you know was Minister of Art for the Black Panthers um, we had uh, Manly Cervantes and uh, Jesus Raza from Dignidad Rebelde you know there do some of their first shows as well as like Ori Original who has Justice for Our Lives shot I mean so many people have come out of that space and you know it was a space where we facilitated where Miguel Bounce Perez who's uh, kind of my longtime friend as well as my now uh, Diana Negrin who's my partner my wife and we have two kids together we all started the space as as a, as a means to in 2008 after Miguel Perez and myself returned from like being at fancy art schools. We really wanted a community space in Berkeley because we both considered ourselves from Berkeley. And so we established it in West Berkeley, which is like a <clears throat> the dominant immigrant community in Berkeley. And it was named Pueblo Nuevo. And uh, Pueblo Nuevo was uh, the name of the car club that his dad and uncles were part of. And Miguel is uh Filipino and Mexican and they had this Chicano car club they were part of this Chicano car club in the 70s and as a way to to kind of talk about the, the community and be a part of the community we named the Space Pueblo Nuevo and so you know we even had Juan Alicia uh, who's a very famous mural you know shows there I forget to shout her out too because she's definitely was a huge mentor in this space I'm a little bit kind of like lost I can go on but and I think like in the end I found a certain you know I've worked always in educational programs in small community museums and in marginalized mostly immigrant communities and so um, I think that's that's like a lot of where my work comes from I think a love for art and education and uh, history, as well as uh, immigration. I'm passing the baton. Oh, wrong way. <laughs> uh, hey, it's Maravet again. And I think my art, um, again, it's writing. So I think for me, it came from education. Um, growing up in a household where education was super important, and especially reading. Um, I love reading and being able to go to the library um, was such a treat and always you know if I got good grades or if I was good I would I would get a book and I think that instilled in me again just this this love and 
an immense passion for words and just um, the written language, but also just what written word is at the end of the day, which is oral history. Um, and I think I think I think that's what's brought me um, this far in regards to my to my writing. Um, currently trying to start um, the Bay Area Central American Writing Group. Um, if some of you follow me, you know I've been putting it out there, um, although it's been a hectic summer, but hopefully this fall we'll have um, that project um, running. But again, I just, I, th I, I honestly think um, another reason why I, I focus so much on this medium is because representation um, I didn't you know looking for it in books um, it gets I guess the sensation of not being able to find yourself um, it, it gets you down and I think um, personally I just want to be able to harness that power um, that I I know I have but I know that other people um, would like to um, get to the point to share. <laughs> Damn, that's a hard act to follow. <laughs> this is Brina again. Um, so art, um, how did that come into my life? I always like to credit my, my Guatemalan side of the family. Um, I was mostly raised by my mother's side. Um, and they love comics. Like, they don't like put it on blast that they're like nerds but they really are deep down <laughs> inside um I grew up like reading like Sunday funnies and um I didn't speak any language at all until like I was four so comics and like um like Disney movies they were like the one way like visual narratives were the way for me to understand what the world is and how it functioned and what culture is um but um I grew up reading a lot of Garfield the Cat, so that's like the one comic that really just made me feel like, oh, this cat really knows me. <laughs> like, I love eating pizza a lot. I hate Mondays. <laughs> Fuck Mondays. Um, and he was just sassy and he loved himself. Like, as a kid that had like a lot of issues, like um, with her body too, you know, just like undergoing a lot of like quasi body dysmorphia stuff like I felt like Garfield kind of reminded me like everything's gonna be all right um also love Charlie Brown too and my brother um my older brother I credit him a lot for um collecting the Sonic the Hedgehog comics with me too um, and I didn't realize until years later like that shit was so radical these like little animal characters in the forest are like fighting against like what I feel like we could consider to be like the gentrification of like their their universe, mm -hmm. aka Doctor Robotnik, and transforming all of their friends into robots, and they go through so much trauma too when they try to rescue like their friends from Doctor Robotnik's clutches. Um, but music came to me um, like um, at an early age in South City. Um, I loved going to. Um, the Davy Symphony Hall for like a field trip and that's when I heard like an orchestra for the first time and I'm like I want to do this like I want to make something beautiful with like a whole bunch of people yeah I was like 
<laughs> I was like such a bad geek <laughs> at like such a young age. And um, the person that really inspired me to be a musician is my fifth grade teacher, uh, Mr. Sandoval. And he was like my first um, like brown, like Chicano, like instructor, which was, I feel like impressive for like, I don't know, just like um, the public education system in general because we rarely still see like black and brown educators um in school so if it wasn't for him kind of like taking me under his wing I wouldn't have like felt really confident to like pursue music as like a career but um drawing was still very much a part of like my life too I also wanted to make art but um yeah I don't know like how art was going to be a part of like my like future career but like as a kid I always wanted to like pursue something within the arts I wanted to just be an entertainer and make people happy like the way that comics made me laugh and like how cartoons made me feel like a certain way um and I think part of it too I totally like feel what Arabe is um speaking upon about representation like um it's interesting because there is a large Central American community but as a youth I didn't meet a lot of Central Americans um maybe like when I moved to um it wasn't until I moved to Milbre and like went to school like middle school high school over there I met like one and a half Salvadoran people that half person is like half Peruvian and like I feel we wanted to have more conversations about what that meant but like we didn't, again, we didn't have a lot of educators of color um, to kind of like create like that safe space or I don't even know if we had the language to like understand like what does it mean to create a safe space as Central American kids um, who are also kind of like low-key hungry for that, that content too, to have stories um, that were accessible and really relatable. So I read like different books. Um, like one of my favorite books that I picked out in high school was um how the Garcia girls lost their accents and that just was finally some narrative that wasn't um like a uh, Mexican centric that made me feel like oh, this person like these people totally know like what it feels like to be a different kind of like Latinx person and um, um, music was still very much a part of my life but um, I didn't have a good experience in high school with a an instructor um, who um, he was a predator um, towards like some of the young women in um, in um, band and in the like, choir. So that le that left a really bad taste in my mouth. And um, I was gonna go into SFSU as a music major, but um, I felt like I just need to make like a big switch. Like I don't want to deal with like egotistical like dudes or whatever that was gonna like um, make me feel like I need to compete with other people to in order to have fun as a musician. So I immediately switched from music to art, which really scared my family. <laughs> and they were like, what? And then I take like a life drawing class and they were like, oh, whoa, you can actually do it. Like, <laughs> we believe in you. <laughs> and like to this day, my, my mom, she has like my life drawing final, which Aww. is like a bucket <laughs> and like a tattered like teddy bear like framed in like the living room <laughs> and I just laugh every time I look at it because I'm like I don't make stuff like this <laughs> I just draw like comics about myself mostly like being like socially awkward and like 
cute looking but just like <laughs> just very weird and just not fitting in necessarily in society but um um comics i think i started realizing like oh man i could actually be doing something with this whenever um there was a break between classes at sfsu i would just like go to the bookstore and just like read everything on that comic book bookshelf or whatever tickle my fancy and at the time love and rockets was really like hitting home for me um i love love and rockets so much Jaime Hernandez really inspired me in the way um, I currently write. And um, he also like really inspired me to like draw people as like their authentic selves. I really love the way he draws like different body types too. It's like celebrating like how we come in so many different shapes and sizes. And uh, he just like made it seem like it, it's a real thing that you can also see brown people making comics. Um, and yeah, I think the comic book thing became more real um, as after I graduated from SF State as like a design major. I'm like a half-assed graphic designer, y'all. Like I can't make a website <laughs> or an app for you. <laughs> I can just make a poster. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Like, because um, I love doing stuff with like um, pens and like markers. I'm trying to get better at uh, digital media, but like, you know, I'm also trying not to be too hard on myself because like I don't know that's the beautiful thing the beautiful thing about the medium like anybody can do it like with whatever technology you have that's available to you and um yeah I still also continue to like channel that inner inner child in me to make some content that's um that's very like relatable to other Central Americans because I still um, I still feel that um, um, that loneliness sometimes. I, I don't see a lot of like other voices that are in this field, but um, I'm sure we're out there. But um, it's just like a matter of accessibility, and um, thank God for the internet, you know. <laughs> but yeah, those are the things I do. Oh yes, um, thank you for sharing. That's awesome. I've always been curious. Um, I think that like being half. Oh, my name, Gabby. This is Gabby again. Sorry. Um, I think being half uh, Salvadorian and half Nicaraguan with parents who came to this country after, you know, the Civil War and, and just a lot of, like, U.S. intervention in their spaces coming here, um, I knew I was Central American, but, you know, you were, like, Americana first. Like, you were an American. You are documented. You, like, you're going to college. Like, all these things were, were granted. And I think my mom, knowing that, there were different types of trauma like just in our communities and our household and our family like generational trauma as well um she really fostered my love for like drawing as a kid and like before when like we were like just like you know living the just like poor life in san francisco because even back then it was like inaccessible um what is it she was super cool and like would go to thrift stores like on our time off and like buy comic books and I would come home and I like also didn't really know how to read but like uh I would like because I was super little but I would see the covers and I thought they were just super beautiful and like even now I know that like I really love primary colors and in comic books that's usually kind of like on the covers what that was and I would learn just like first from tracing and then learning how to draw and then on my dad's side like later I would understand that like Nicaraguans one are like super proud people 
like hella proud and then two there is like culturally a love for art and writing and so he helped me foster that a little bit and I remember when I was younger um, I had a teacher 826 Valencia shout out to that amazing Mm -hmm. um, group in the city they had an art uh, a writing program excuse me and I remember I got my first like press pass and it was fake but I didn't know that and so I'll be walking around like I'm with my press pass and it's super cool and um, I went to school the next day and I told the teacher I want to be a writer and she told me like oh well there's no money in writing and so immediately I was like I'm gonna be a lawyer like that just makes sense because when you come from a household where you're told like you're going to college you're gonna make money and like we're you're gonna be like continue the legacy of being American right um, I just like stuck to that until I got to college and then recently I took a break and so when I came back home um, I started writing for El Tecolote newspaper so shout out also to El Tecolote amazing community uh, volunteer driven um, paper in the mission and Alexis Terrazas who's still the editor-in-chief has been super amazing and like provided me with a platform of like your voice does matter um, and I just write what I want and what I feel and especially it being like a Chicano like organization that it's under that's been huge so being allowed to have that access again I think you you a lot of you guys mentioned accessibility is a big thing um and then with my visual representation like again going back to drawing that's always been something I've been into but it's really lonely like being brown and also like not understanding your sexuality as a young kid and like I grew up in a catholic household so there were just a lot of things of like you just like cartoons help like just jumping a little bit you know and like with the america comic coming out recently like i cried when i first read it because it was just like so powerful to see like a beautiful woman just being herself and like that was the beautiful part and having someone who also had my name so it's like okay um feeling like mad represented uh write it was amazing and to know she was queer was amazing and to like to just add these layers of of just like we as brown people we as like queer central america or well America was in Central American, but I identified with her, right? We are multidimensional people beyond our art and, like, where we're from and where our parents are from. And so I don't know if I really answered that question, but I just think it comes from different, like, experiences, layers, and just feeling lonely. I think the loneliness, like, even now I do know that, like, the Nicaraguan community has been, like, super supportive of my art, especially with everything going on. I've, like, chosen to use my platform for that right now. And it still feels lonely, you know, because it's like now there's like also a lot of pressure to like be consistent. And it's like, well, I'm a Nicaraguan Salvadorian American with like a very unique experience. I can't like represent everyone. So there's also that struggle with how do I do that without like because I don't want another person to feel lonely, especially in an age in the Internet where like you see everything now um, and you can find Central American people. Whereas like when we were younger, I don't think it was that easy so like if you don't see yourself with the internet which is this huge community then like i don't i don't want to know what that feels like for another i mean i just don't want another person if that makes sense to feel that lonely especially now when there's more access so yes and that is where i end (laughs) sorry (laughs) so i'm really interested especially because i know that the bay area in california is very like chicanx Mexican, you already mentioned, like, people have mentioned getting their start in Chicanx, like, spaces. spaces. So I guess I wanted to ask, as a Central American, how do you assert your voice in Chicanx Mexican spaces? Yeah. Okay, this is Gabby again. Um, I think going off of what I was just saying, like, you know, I'm growing up in the mission, 
I was cradled, and I think I've said this in, in, in a, a piece once, where it's like, I was cradled with art, like, everywhere. From, like, where I would go swimming at the pool, the Mission Playground pool. Juan Alicia, you know, she, like, did that amazing mural. You walk down 24th, there's all these things, like, you see yourself. Um, but when you get older, and, like, you understand the context of what you're actually seeing, you quickly learn, like, oh, like, that's that it, that looks like me, but they might not necessarily come from, like, the same background. Even if it's, like, a fictional, you know, like, illustrate, like, person on the wall. Like, it digs deep. And I think for me, um, asserting my voice just means, like, even if you're called divisive, you just, like, stay. Because obviously, like, your voice is, is valuable. Um, obviously. And I just think that for me, it's also being assertive of my identity also means, like, choosing to not participate um to assert like yes my voice has value and if you're not going to value that then I will just like step down for a little bit and then I've come to notice like after a couple years of being in this space it's like people will notice that and then your voice will be given the platform a little bit it is a little bit give or take but I think it is it's interesting like you know I'm very grateful for my experiences but I also acknowledge like the erasure of identity and voices and I think you know we're in the west coast so obviously like my experience here has definitely been you know assumed to be of chicana like descent or mexican-american whereas like i don't know what it'd be like you know on the east coast where it's probably a very different experience but i could go on about this but i will pass the baton <laughs> to anyone else yeah um this is maravet again um i feel like for me when it comes to asserting my central american identity um I really just I'm like I'm Guatemalan American and I keep saying it and I don't like being oh you're Mexican I it's 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 a pet it's it irks me because um Latinx is not just Mexican you know and so I think that's how I deal with just kind of reminding myself I'm Guatemalan you know I come from very proud like a very proud Guatemalan family um you know growing up at home with my family, it was, aquí se habla español. <laughs> like, it was always, you speak Spanish at home. The minute you walk out, you can, you can be all American, um, however you want. But I think, um, I guess that's just just how I've dealt with it, just being like, no, I'm, I'm not Mexican. I, I, don't, I, don't ex I don't accept being placed under the umbrella of the Chicano or Mexican um, definition. Um, but I know that's, that's a personal decision and I know a lot of people feel very differently about it um, um, and I'm, I'm not hating on it it's just that for me um, it's it's I feel like especially growing up in Oakland um, you have such a diverse community um, and so being able to stand um, alone is a trait <laughs> that requires a lot from you so <clears throat> so um um I came oh what's up everybody this is Plinio <laughs> so I came to the Bay Area in 1985 for the first time and um the city I landed in or the area of the city was North Oakland and uh at that point you know North Oakland wasn't it's not east it's not near East Oakland so uh the only immigrant communities in North Oakland were, as I remember, Vietnamese, um, 
a lot of Sikh folks, Indian from India, and um, a couple. Uh, when what now I think is is not just a couple, but now like I realize that the African American community also came to, you know, migrated and left, you know, in a certain way, fleed the South, you know, during World War Two and landed in places like Oakland, Richmond, you know, Hunter's Point. But that's the community I grew up around for the first few years of my life in the United States. And um, I ended up going to Berkeley High, which kind of just really solidified my love for pedagogy. Um, But at the time when I entered Berkeley High, and, and Berkeley High is very unique. It has one of the only and the oldest African-American studies department in the country, you know, it's um, very unique in that way. Uh, but at, at that point, um, the Chicano Latino Studies Department started at Berkeley High, and it was really a department. It was like a few classes, you know, um, and this was my freshman year, which was 1993 at Berkeley High. But, you know, I remember taking Chicano Latino history class with, you know, I emphasized Chicano Latino, but there was very like, besides kind of like the Chicano narrative, there was very other little narrative, you know? Um, And so at an early, I don't know if I would call it at an early age, but I realized that there, there was a certain narrative being, that was pushed, you know, that was in my narrative. And uh, I gravitated towards the African American Studies Department more than anything, and so really until this day, you know, like people like James Baldwin um, uh, are very important. Kind of, you know, I always reference them in my art practice. You know, uh, not necessarily a reference that is kind of visible to a public, but definitely it's definitely like can be a footnote or something that has uh, had impetus in my art. At a certain point, like I mentioned earlier, I do have Mexican citizenship as well. And once I started traveling and um, being in Mexico, um, living in Mexico, um, uh, you know, I realized that there was more than a very one-sided Chicano narrative. You know, there is a a, a representation uh, that is, uh, of course, different than the kind of hegemonic Mexican narrative that's experienced in uh, the United States but at the same time I think I say that with ca- with a little bit of cautious because um, Mexican hegemony in, in regards to like capitalism in regards to culture is very present in Central America um, you know most media c- companies whether it's cellular phone um, whether it's TV are owned um, by Mexican corporations in Central America. So you find, you know, 
um, I, I've, I've worked with Central Americans in Mexico and you find yourself that Central Americans are saying are you know come up with the Mexican language so it's very common to, to like meet Hondureños meet Salvadorians that are coming up there saying Gaunda's way you know because they're confronted with a certain narrative through media uh, in their own um, countries you know so uh, it's it's a super interesting kind of question that you ask I think um, that to me can I think can take a whole round table so I'm gonna stop there but yo hegemony uh, and the Mexican state is for real yeah, <laughs> it is one. Very real. Oh, it's a dress. Yeah, so cute. Dress a dress. Yes. Like y'all are okay. very. <laughs> Thank you. Y'all are feeling a little warm. Y'all can take your clothes I feel off. Feel the love. <laughs> you know, funny that Thank you mentioned that. Is that I? I tell people that you know, like my mom is Salvadorian, but when she came here, she became Chicana because oh. her people's sauce tastes different. Then the way oh, she speaks is different. Say. Don't tell her I said that. But <laughs> Emilio knows. Edit it out. But yeah, edit that out. But. <laughs> Like the way she her dialect is different. Like the way she like her like her slang. Everything has changed over the years, and yeah. I think for me that's why like asserting my identity as like Salvadorian. She's like a proud Salvadorian too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like just even like something as simple as wearing like Salvadorian or Nicaraguan folklore in mm-hmm. Chicano spaces. People are like, oh, like what Chicano space did you get that from? And I'm like, yeah, actually, yeah. someone brought this from like my mom's friend brought this like up from El yeah. Salvador. And it's like just the little things. Um, I think really make people even Chicanos like check themselves and I think especially like when you try to point out to like Chicanos that um they're erasing your identity they get very defensive and I understand that but like learning to like build language I'm still learning how to do that where it's like where it doesn't become a confrontation it could become a conversation you know I think like that also in itself is like asserting just like a general awareness of we are more than just like beyond yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting that you brought that up. I had a friend who, um, when she learned, like, someone, like, when I, when, when I, when I went to, I would say, open school over the arts, and um, someone started, you know, calling me, like, hey, little Mexican, like, down the hallway. I'm like, <laughs> no. and I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't turn, because I was just like, I'm not, that's I'm not, not me. <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> like, they're not talking uh, to me. Yeah, and so, but um, one of my friends, I guess she really noticed that it upset me, because it was just, it's just really annoying and disrespectful, just like, mm-hmm. you're, you're not... You're just being rude at that point. And she's like, you get really upset. And I'm just, I'm just like, obviously it bothers you. But, so if you're not Mexican, what are you? Like, you speak Spanish. I know you speak Spanish, but, you know, like, Mm -hmm. she's like, she was like, it was a very genuine question. And a lot of people have that question, which is totally okay. And I'm totally up for that conversation. Um, And I said, uh, oh, um, I'm Guatemalan. She's like. Where's that? And I was like, Central America. It's she's always like, a geography. Yeah, geography question, question too. And I was like, Central America. And she's like, okay, I'm going to look that up later. But then after that, like, I look back and it makes me kind of like chuckle. She really went out of her way to be like, when someone would like say, hey, little Mexican, she'd be like, she's Guatemalan. If you're going to address her, it, it has to be, hey, little Guatemalan. And like, she always used to like, She's like, she's like, you're my Guatemalan friend, and I'm going to defend you. Don't worry. Like, she would get mad for me. Like, she would get, she'd like, really get, like, confrontational about it, like, after she learned. And she's like, she's like, now I know why you get upset. That's really upsetting. And, like, she would just, like, she's like, no, don't say anything. She's Guatemalan. 
Yeah. 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 And so I was always like, yeah. she's like, she's like, she's like, and she would like go like out of her way to be like, if anybody calls her Mexican, you can see me outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but like, allies also help with that too. Like in that sense of like, are we taking care of like that? Like mm-hmm. being respectful of. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I actually I thought we were Mexican when I was <laughs> a child. Mm. <laughs> then my mom was like, cool. What? <laughs> and you just came from Guatemala like two months ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> all of my all of my like little friends from like elementary school, most of them were Chicano and like I assume like this is like our reality we must be mexican or chicano because every other brown person i know is speaking spanish yeah. around me and yeah like it, it was really weird when i met mm-hmm. my first cuban friend my yeah. mom's friend was cuban and um i was just like you're cuban and also that was my first time meeting some, uh, a black person that spoke spanish mm-hmm. so i was like my mind was blown. I was like five years old, six years old at the time. I was like, because yeah. it never occurred to me yet. Like, it, it really, like, that was like how, in a sense, kind of just like how closed off I was, how, like, in a sense, that, mm-hmm. that innocence was like, I really didn't know anything. You know, to to continue talking about, like, the, the Mexican blanket that gets placed over. You know all of us I think it's it, it definitely is this um, you know this space this this kind of thing that's always over our head you know like um, whether how, how we consider ourselves how we look at ourselves uh, the narratives that we confront you know so I definitely for me I guess it's complicated and I'm still learning how to do it because my dad came over when he was from El Salvador when he was rather young, like early 20s, like in the midst of the war situation. Um, and so in a way, he kind of had the rest of his late adolescence here. And just, I don't know, for me personally, phenotypically, depending on how I wear my hair, the way I express myself, because I grew up in the Inland Empire, which is quite a ways away from L.A. and is known for being rather suburban or rural, mostly rural, but suburban also now. Um, it influences the way I speak and, um, you know, so I know there's a lot of ways to be Latinx, a lot of ways to be Central American, but in many ways, sometimes I can pass and that's a privilege, right? So for me, expressing my Central Americanness or showing up as Central American is like complicated because I have to reckon with the way I look and how that doesn't necessarily code me as Latinx to some people. But then on top of that, a Mexican hege- hegemony, right? Of where if I do indulge in my Latinx identity, it's another layer of like having to explain it's not only it's not Mexican right and so for me I think I've come slowly to the realization that there's subtle things imbued in me um not only like food which you know is really fun to have iconography with but just like sayings language I'm pointing to Brina right now because she has a a piece of work out called Colocha Head and just like the little isms we use as Salvadorans for like um cabello crespo like instead of saying crespo like they would in Mexico or whatever risos it's colochos um or if you know uh, yeah and and stuff so for me because 
because it's really complicated, I'm really going around in circles right now. I think that I've learned to find a love and a peace in the ways in which things are just like imbued in me, like the way I eat, my tastes, what I prefer, prefer, prefer a thicker tortilla, um, a bean that's cooked slower and longer and crema on this. Like, I know that sounds really like kishy and, and, and like pop culture-y and it is, but at the same time, it's like, I really, for now, I find joy in like the use of language, in the pointing of the mouth at stuff, in the like, yeah. And, and I think that that's, it, it could go on forever, but the point is it's really complicated for me and I don't think I'm there yet, but I really find solace in like the beautiful little things. Can I, can I like, I think you like really, um, I was having this conversation like I think two weeks ago with like some friends who also do illustration, like the iconography element of it. Like I love pointing at Brina right now, her, your work. It's just like, so like when I was younger, there was nothing like nothing, like not even related to like Latinx people, let alone like Central American people. So like my mom loves your comic too. Like she's seen it, like it's cool. And, um, I think like, you know, in a world where illustrations are around like conchas, like pan dulce Mm -hmm. and like frijoles and hot Cheetos, it's like really, really important for me. Like another way I think that's why art is so helpful in like asserting your identity and being like, you know what? There's like so much more beyond like, we're not all, like, our imagery is not just nopales and, like, pan dulce. And, like, I also appreciate those things. I also love, like, the paletero man. Like, all these things, like, I identify with. But I think, you know, in, in a world where we're, like, so saturated with that imagery, it becomes, um, I don't know if this is going to offend anyone, but, like, I get bored with, like, oh, seeing yeah. But I also understand the value of what that means for us. Like, with, and I also understand, like, as artists, there is, like, if you're going to want to make a living out of it, right? Those are things that you can rely on that will sell in certain mm-hmm. spaces. I have made a certain, like, I've made a commitment to myself that there are certain things I will not illustrate and that I will not feed into, whether mm-hmm. it makes money or not, because mm-hmm. I understand that making that personal commitment is keeping myself accountable and also, like, making sure that, like, eight-year-old Gabby, you know, who, like, existed long ago, <laughs> um, okay. will know that, like, I am doing this, like, for you in a way. It's kind of, like, mm-hmm. a weird, like conversation I keep having with myself of like I don't want to see that like yes I'm very bored and that's why it's like important to show like all the other little elements but in saying that I am afraid of like you know like Nicaraguan and Salvadorian like um iconography also becoming like saturated but I also understand like we have to start somewhere in just like having just a little bit of visual representation in a predominantly like Chicano like art space and even in the mission it's been like very interesting navigating that but it's been refreshing to have people be like, oh, that's something we've never seen before. And I'm like, I know. I won't unpack why, but cool. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, <laughs> I'm petty. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Man, I always that's thought one of, of our traits. Central American. I don't know when. I like, think it is. Like, I've always. But, like, you know? if you see the art, like, when I've learned about yeah. the history of, like, of of the art and the murals like the Balmy Alley for example yeah. start in the 70s mm-hmm. with everything going on in Nicaragua yeah, exactly. and El Salvador there was like a big push for artists to be like we're gonna highlight the struggle that's happening in Central mm-hmm. America mm-hmm. but I do mm-hmm. think that when you teach history like fast forward a couple decades you don't hear that like I told someone on a tour when I was taking the tour about yeah. like the Central American element and like even the tour guide had no idea <laughs> and yeah. I was like yeah, exactly. this is a problem and I think you know like I do again like I'm very appreciative in like all of the and you know the fact that I even have to like preface saying a lot of things or like mm. I appreciate the Chicano like artists and the like, work that they've done is in itself like speaks yeah. volumes yeah. Mm-hmm. into like what it means to take up space as Central American um and I think that like um just like 
I, I value the work that's been done, but I do think that as someone who still lives there, still works there, like, and whose family, like, has a business there, like, it is centered around that. We mm-hmm. exist, but our platform isn't necessarily, like, our own. And if we don't curate it, no one else does. And I do think that there, it, like, we do get tokenized in certain elements. Like, to, like the conversation about our children um, being at the border and coming to the States there recently was an event that I thought like was really well done to some degree in terms of like bringing the community together but there was no conversation of like these are Central American children and I think like in the mission especially they're like these are our children yes they are but like to erase the fact that of the of the history of why so we have so many Central Americans in San Francisco because of you know the war and and U.S. intervention all these other things like it does get erased and you know it got all lives matter Donna's that that I think that what do you yeah it became mm-hmm. an all like instead of becoming about you know like central, central american children yeah. it became about all lives matter kind of thing you know like yeah. it became about let's shut down ice but yeah i understand let's shut down ice but you know the mexican government at a certain point came out and said there's only they 1%. only have twenty per, they only have twenty kids. Yeah, so it was one percent. Yeah, yeah, and and mm-hmm. half of them have been released already. You know. You know, I put that I put that exact same thing because I even like quoted the source because I knew people were gonna come after me on my social media and like my DMs have never been more full yeah, of yeah, people yeah. like explaining to me like what it means to be Central American. I had. Um, like a Chicano organizer be like you know I as a Mexican have worked with Central Americans and like that always like gets to me because it's like it's like saying like my partner Central American therefore I'm immune like you know (laughs) ignorant and it's just like no you're not (laughs) Um, and I just think that like you know it's it goes to show like there are layers to this but yeah I think Mm -hmm. like with the conversation of the border with ICE it's like I don't think like long term it's sustainable if we don't have these very like uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And it is hard and exhausting as organizers to like mm-hmm. keep doing that, you know. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it becomes a narrative of the border, the US Mexican border only. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's what Mexican hegemony is about, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's about that con- that's the only conversation that can happen. The newspapers won't pick up anything that's about you know the why the exodus mm-hmm. or, you know why the, like the, the yeah maybe now there is because they're realizing that there's a deeper narrative than just you know yeah. what we know for the last few years so we just went off yo look at all this all right. knowledge yeah, I feel so zen. It was just <laughs> wonderful, and I fucking learned so much already. I'm just like, whew, whew, whew. Yeah. Too much heat. But guess what? This is only part one. So, yeah. So, unfortunately, y'all will have to wait a week, but it will come back for a part two of this beautiful discussion provided by your Bay Area artists and curators. So stay tuned for next week. Hope shit goes well. You know, I mean, it's going to go well. Like, listen to what they're saying. So thank you for listening to part one. And part two will come real soon.